Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Friday. Now, uh, as you know, Mary Kay Ashley and I recorded a long coaching pod on Thursday, and I was going to put a segment with Lance Risland at the end um, that was like another half hour long. That was going to be the second half of that pod, but we figured we went so long on the coaching news. That was really the story of the day. Let's save Lance's segment make it the Friday podcast. So here it is. Lance Ryslin breaks down the film from the Texans game, tells us what went wrong on the defense on those two pick sixes, and also gets into uh, some of the things, the biggest needs for the Browns and some other things like that. And then at the very end, we do a draft of all-time duos, and I absolutely win this draft. So stay tuned for that as well. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Enjoy those playoff games, and we will talk to you again next week. Welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Now we welcome on Lance Reisland a day later than usual, but Lance is here to look back on the Texans game and then also look ahead a little bit too. Uh, Lance, how are you? I'm doing very well, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. By the way, we got you sent me your question for this week, and I got my big board. I'm ready to go. So yeah, uh, yeah I wanted this... you. I wanted you to prep a little bit, get a little bit, uh, so you weren't hit, you know, blindsided. I want you to have some thought to it. Stay stay tuned for that one here at, at the very end. So let's just start with this game on Saturday. Um, that was obviously, you know, the worst we've seen this, this Browns defense look. Um, Bobby Slowick and CJ Stroud just picked it apart. How were they able to solve this defense? Well, I, I'm going to, you know, I have an answer that that most people won't like, but I, I give more credit to Slowick than I do criticism to Schwartz. You know, sometimes as a coach, you just get out coached, and we've all been there as a coach where you have a plan. The only bad plan is not having a plan. Browns had a plan. I think they should have played more man. Um, you know, often coordinators, when people say that was a terrible call, they think so too. And, you know, I, I, they basically got out coached. Now, credit goes to Slowick. He attacked those safeties. Um, he attacked those linebackers. Um, but the Browns have had injuries, and I've had people in the last 48 hours say everybody has injuries. I don't think a lot of teams that are playing at a high level had the injuries that the Browns had, and it happened at key positions. And I know they had the next man up mentality, but there's a reason they're backups. There's, not that they can't be starters at point, some point in, the, uh, in their career, but they were starters this year because the starters got hurt. And it showed up. The, the turnovers, the injuries, uh, you know, so it's more of a – I think the Browns did a great job. They were just outmanned. Um more than anything else, though, the Texans just out-executed. They outplayed the Browns. They out-coached. They did everything. So uh, I've been there before, and you're just like, you know, they had a plan. It just didn't work. Um, you know, I, I I don't think it's something that, you know, it's like the lock has been, you know, everybody knows how to do it now. So um, I just think that they, they had a good plan. They attacked the the, the weaknesses, the backups, uh, all the injuries, and, and like I said, and, and, it was, and it was a masterful plan. And Stroud is played at an elite level. There's no question. So why why do you think they made the decision to go to more zone in this game? Well, you know, it had to be something to do with like, you know, I don't really know. Uh, again, the, what their plan was, it, it seemed like they wanted to make him go through his process, uh, but it's not what they've been practicing. So it was kind of like, uh, you know, it's, um, were they overthinking it? Um, we've all done that as well, where you're like, oh, I know they think we're going to go man, so we'll we'll trick him and go zone. And we've all done that before, too. But I'm not sure why they didn't stick to what they did a lot. Now, the movement, I will say this. Um, the Browns have been hurt this year, uh, bumping from, you know, a linebacker or a strong safety to a corner or a corner, you know, having the wrong bumps in man coverage. So how do you attest to that? Sometimes you stay in zone. So if you get certain motions, so your corners stay outside, you check the zone. Um, maybe it was, maybe it was that where, um, you know, Slowick found out what is going to get them to check to zone. Cause I feel like it was the motions that made them check the zone more than, than more than just being in zone. So I would say, 
uh, again, really good game plan. Um, you you give credit to Sloke in terms of like how they did it. Now people say, well, how do you, why why couldn't the Browns adjust? Well, um, they've been beating that as well too. And in the defense that they run, these plays are going to happen. The defense that the Browns run, they have to be good on special teams and offense too, because they are going to give up big plays when you play so much man and you're stunting and you're not super gap sound at times, but you're super aggressive and, and it's going to happen. But um, I think it was the motion uh, that caused the zone, and and it was just a good plan by Slowick. So, you know, you mentioned the motion. It seemed like there was a lot of misdirection, too, that, that seemed to catch the Browns. Um, it, you know, the touchdown to Dalton Schultz was one. Um, the, I think that was the one where, the, you know, the play where Hickman got beat. Um, there, there was some confusion there where it looked like a corner route, but then it went the other direction. Um how much of a problem was some of that motion? And well, you mentioned them. How much of a problem was the misdirection? Um, well, you know, that's, well, you know, when you're when you're that style of defense. So if you look at the first, uh, uh, you know, if you look at the touchdown to um, Nico Collins on the screen, you know, it's really it tells you how much the Browns are just flying to the football because actually the tight end and tackle stand up the pass block on the right side. Um, they should be selling zone, and they didn't even sell zone. All that happened was it was that toss fake. So just the idea of trying to get movement away, the Browns are so aggressive. And that goes back to what I'm saying about that type of defense. They're going to get tons of tackles for a loss. They're going to get tons of, um, you know, INTs and picks and things like that. But they're also going to get, you know, you're going to get hammered sometimes. And they didn't tackle, you know, like they've been tackling. Um, so, yeah, misdirection with a, a team like the Browns, because that's how that, you know, that's why Miles Garrett jumps offside sometimes. And that's why JOK gets beaten man sometimes because they're playing with their hair on fire and that's their job. And that's how they, that, that's how this defense is, is predicated. And you have to take the good with the bad when you run this type of defense. So what happened on the two pick sixes? I want to go back to the defense, um, the kind of a bigger picture question here, but let's talk about those two pick sixes here in the second half. What, what happened on those? Well, the first one was first and 10 and, and, you know, I, obviously Flacco's done a great job. It's first and 10, they're driving, they drive there, they score there, they're right back in the game and it's, it's a ball game. <clears throat> so it just kind of, it, it fell off from there. So what happened was um, Barnett beat, just flat out beat um, uh, Hudson uh, at the right tackle, just beat him with a speed rush immediate, you know, it was one of those like 1.3 type of pra- uh, pass pressure. So immediate pressure, the only thing I think Flacco did wrong is that he was trying to throw the ball away, and, and I think he said that maybe with one of you guys, um, that he was trying to throw a ball away on that first interception. The only thing I think he should have done is he should have eat it. He should have just went down, lived to fight another day, second 14. Um, that, so that was really you know his fault for not protecting the ball, but that comes down to pass protection. Again, it comes down to injury, right? There's the fourth, fifth tackles that are in there. Uh, they did a really good job, but they're, they're backups for a reason, and they got a lot of work to do. The second interception, um, you know, there's the the the, the clip going around of uh, they knew exactly what they were doing. And, and, you know, I have a little bit – when you watch the film, I, I disagree with that a little bit. So when you watch it, um, pre-snap to post-snap, it's a little bit different. They do a really nice job, and maybe that was what they saw. So um, Cooper's going to run a speed out. It's fourth and two. So Cooper's going to run a speed out up top, and, and then Bryant's going to run a little stick route, right, about five yards. Fourth and two. Um, really well coach Harris doesn't move so what they do is a pre-snap it looks like Cooper's going to be open but then they get underneath that you know they switch coverage and get underneath that Harris doesn't move and as Flacco comes to Harris Harris just jumps her out now I think it's because it was pre-snap the post-snap wasn't you know wasn't what he thought maybe uh, but if he keeps working his progression he would have come down to Hunt who was checking over the ball and was wide open for a first down 
if you ask me, the only thing, only, only thing he did wrong there was he didn't finish his progression, and maybe the Browns could have ran that to the field and had a little bit more space between Cooper and Bryant. But that's a, once again, that's a really good football play. And, you know, saying that they knew the play, in my opinion, I don't know if they knew the play, that they knew that they were going to get underneath that out route from Cooper and that the, you know, number two receiver is probably going to run a stick route because it's fourth and two. Um, a lot of guys do that. So I think it's a matter of, ex- uh, again, execution. They executed very, very well. And it made a really good play, and, and that was a ball game. Okay, so now the big question is, and you, and you touched on this a little bit, but kind of what we saw from the Texans, how sustainable is that to attack the Browns? Now, not every team has a quarterback like C.J. Stroud, but when we just start to peek ahead to next season, you look at some of the quarterbacks that the Browns are going to have to play, it's a whole lot tougher than it was this season. <laughs> and it did seem like this year, when the Browns did run up against a good, smart quarterback, paired with a good, smart play caller, they were able to take advantage of this defense. So is there anything sustainable here that Browns fans should be concerned about that Houston exposed? Well, I think what it exposed is that on a 53-man roster, you got to have your best players if you're planning on playing, you know, week 17, 18, 19, you know, into the playoffs. So the Browns, first of all, have to stay healthy. So I don't think it's sustainable. I think, you know, if you look at the defense as a whole, they did great. And, and I said it earlier, when you play man coverage, when you blitz, when you do these things, um, you're putting a ton of pressure in man coverage. And man coverage is tough. And you have to take the good with the bad. And the bad is going to be some big plays. Uh, again, most teams struggle when there's a good coordinator and, and, and a good uh, play caller. So, I mean, uh, yeah, a good quarterback and a good play caller. So I don't think it's sustainable, but what it shows you is the Browns got to have their top-level guys, especially in the AFC. They got to have those safeties. They got to have a pass rush. Um, but more importantly, they have to play complementary football. So this defense is much different if it's 7-7 or the Browns are up 14-0 or, you know, the Browns have the explosive offense that they think. Right now the Browns are still in that, like, have to do everything perfect, 8-10 to 10 play drive. You saw against the first round against uh, uh, the first time against the Texans. If you create some chunk plays, some massive chunk plays, it's much easier to play defense because you're up and the other team has to throw the ball. So they have to play complementary football. So, no, I don't think sustainable because um, the Browns will be better on offense, in my opinion. And those guys are going to get a year older and those guys are going to get healthy on defense. And they're going to have to make them some decisions. But, um, you know, obviously I, it goes down to sometimes the other team is just better. And on certain days, and they were just better. Their plan was good. They played at a high level. They took advantage of the injuries. They attacked certain guys. They made certain guys cover. Um, you know, they're going to have to work on some man coverage with their safeties and linebackers. But no, I think this is a one a one off thing. Um, even in those games that they, you know, people, you know, you, you and I have talked about where people, you know, the defense really struggled. Well, did they really struggle or did they have to defend a short field a bunch of times and did the offense struggle? So there's some things that that tie into it, but they got to play complimentary football uh, next year better than they did this year. Before we get to a couple big picture questions, I do want to ask you, um, what did you see from Miles in this game and what Houston kind of did to neutralize him? Well, you know, a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of miles didn't play very well uh, talk. And, and, and I understand that. And when you're when you're as talented as him. So he played 36 snaps, uh, 30 of them um, were on that defensive end side. He didn't get much pressure. Two things that happened. One is Tunsil's very good. And Tunsil has the feet um, that can neutralize him because if you look at miles, he does a ton of run around the edge and bend. And he does that because he's so big and strong. Tunsil can neutralize that because his feet, he can get back there. So Miles just has to have a little bit better game plan, I think, against Tunsil. Secondly, they got rid of the ball very, very quickly. Um, they helped occasionally, but not a ton. Um, 
and, and, and the ball was out and they moved the pocket. Uh, they did, did a bunch of different things. They occasionally chipped him, uh, but no, he did not play great. And regardless of um, what the defense does, if you are a generational player, then I, you know, he'll even say it. You, then you gotta, uh, I think you gotta, you gotta make plays and, you know, maybe get moved around a little bit more. I thought he'd be more on the right side to, uh, with Smith uh, uh, and stay away from Tunsil, uh, but they didn't do that a lot. And, and Tunsil, Tunsil held his own, and, and you have to say Tunsil won that battle. Uh, but they also did a good job of getting rid of the football quickly, and I think that helped. Okay, so now let's let's look a little big picture as as you kind of think back on the season. What do you think was this team's biggest success? Well, obviously, there for me, it's two things, right? One is they um, they the resilience, right? They so many injuries and guys stepped up. And I think that's really, really important. Uh, something that no one's talking about that I think is really impressive is their development of, uh, of their players. Guys like Alex Wright and JOK and D'Anthony Bell and Emerson. These guys all got better. Offensive linemen got better. You know, you can say whatever you want about those tackles. And I think Christian and Hudson struggled a little, little bit in that game. But they had a pretty solid year when they got in there. Um, you know, guys improved. Guys got better. Uh, they have to continue that improvement. So I, I think their development and their development of death, depth was the, the most impressive thing. Obviously, with the, the most obvious being, they just kept fighting. And, and it's a pretty good testament of, like, um, pretty pretty good bunch of guys in terms of, like, just keep keep going when things get tough. And, and I think that comes down to Stefanski's mentality, right? You and I have watched a bunch of practice. It's very, very even keel. Never too high, never too low. Uh, so when you get these panic situations when all your starters are out, it's okay because he's pretty even keel, and, and that's important. I, I think, too... Um, when we talk about development, it's not just those those bottom roster guys. It's there's guys now at the top of the roster that we weren't sure about that you feel good about. Like nobody knew nobody knew if JOK could be an NFL linebacker coming into this year, at least a full time NFL linebacker. And now you're going into next year feeling like he's, you know, maybe the guy in, in that level of the defense. Same with like a Grant Delpit. You don't know what Grant Delpit's mm-hmm. going to be. And then he gets himself extended. Um, and, and so he's going to be back there for a long time. You know, a small, a small win like a Jordan Elliott, right? I don't know oh, what his future is. I don't know what his future is in Cleveland if if he can stay here, if they can afford it. But, um, you know, unlocking guys like that that you know at, at this time a year ago we're sitting here saying, what exactly is JOK? You know, what is who is Grant Delpit? Like Jordan Elliott, he's not an NFL player. All of those narratives changed this year on those guys. Yeah, you know, I didn't mention that. That's a great call. Jordan Elliott, Alex Wright, two of the guys who, in my opinion, like Alex Wright last year, no hands, no, he, you know, he's at UAB and he's ran around the corner because he was so much bigger than everybody. This year you see his hands, you see him stepping with the correct foot, you see him attacking half half the man of the tackle. Uh, so he's really worked on his craft. Same with Jordan Elliott. Uh, first thing I remember, our first podcast uh, we had after camp, um, Jordan Elliott changed his body, right? Thicker, lower body. Uh, really, really uh, a good scheme that he got into, a little bit more penetrating scheme. But he also did a good job of hanging in there against the double teams. And uh, so I think, yeah, th- their development, uh, guys that we thought, you know, Jordan Elliott had a really poor year last year. He was a good football player this year. He had a really solid year in there. Uh, same with Alex Wright, JOK, guys like DeAnthony Bell. So, yeah, top to bottom guys. Uh, and it shows because they won a lot of games with the guys who uh, weren't the starters when the season started. So what do you think was their biggest <clears throat> failure this season? Well, you know, obviously injuries, you know, going back to, you know, with everything that's, but that's kind of out of your control. I'd say the turnovers, right? So you have, you have 24 touchdown passes and 23 interceptions. And that goes back to, is this sustainable against the Browns defense? Well, the Browns got to protect that defense if they're going to be a defensive uh, minded uh, team. 
or are they going to be a completely balanced team? And if they're going to be a completely balanced team, then they got to say, you know what? Our defense is going to get some pick sixes. They're going to get some tackles for a loss. They're going to make some big plays. They're going to cause some fumbles, but they're also going to get beaten man coverage sometimes, JOK or a safety or somebody's going to happen during a game where they, you know, an offensive coach who also gets paid a lot of money is going to find a matchup once in a while. <clears throat> but that won't matter if the Browns offense can protect the ball, make those guys go 80 yards, score themselves. So the, my biggest disappointment would be um, the turnovers. And, and then secondly, that, you know, that complimentary football, making sure that you're, you're doing whatever you need to do uh, game to game to protect who's ever hot. Right. And the defense was the hot part. And at times they didn't protect him with those turnovers. Okay. So this is something we've been talking about a little bit this <laughs> week. Um, what are your immediate needs for this Browns roster moving forward? Well, I heard Mary Kay talk about the receiver and the D and, and, and a 10 sack person. Right. And, and, and I was trying to figure out, you know, I think, you know, I think Woods has got a chance. He had a good camp before he got hurt and, you know, Tillman showed some stuff. I think their biggest need right now is they need a guy who a, you know, you think about obviously at the elite level, like a Tyreek Hill or a A chain, if you think about what he does. So I'm not necessarily saying it's a back or a receiver, but they need a guy who can get them easy yards. Again, they're doing this, they're in this eight to 10 play, 12 play drive. And as I start my, um, my draft stuff, what I started yesterday, they have got to find guys who can make plays. And it might be like, and I agree with Mary Kay, a guy who can get 10 sacks. So a sack specialist, a guy who is raw or underweight or whatever it is, but they're going to have to find some dynamic. In my opinion, the number one need is a dynamic player uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Is that person, you know, Elijah Moore with Watson coming back? Is that person, you know, is Cedric Tillman going to take the next step and be the guy who can take the top off? Is Cooper going to be back because he's an elite receiver? Uh, does Woods, you know, Woods seem to have some talent before he got hurt last year. Remember a couple of those scrimmages in seven on sevens and 11 on 11s. He had some good days before he got hurt. So, you know, I don't know if they have a guy, you know, they need a guy who can come in and, and, and just kind of like, um, you know, get him a big play, get him a big uh, reverse. You know, same thing they want to do with Elijah Moore. He's just too undersized to do that. But again, if the focus is now not on Elijah Moore, it's on Watson and maybe some other guys. I don't, I don't know what the, I, I, I don't know what the, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, their tight end now, Najoku's an elite tight end. So there's your, there's your foundation. You go from there. So, and I just think whatever it may be, and, and obviously as I start looking at stuff in the draft, but for me, it's it's an explosive player who can get them easy. You know, I used to call him cheat yards. You throw a slant, he takes it to the house. You know, you throw a hitch and he takes it to the house. You know, and you're a quarterback and you're like, I threw it five yards and I have an 86-yard touchdown pass. They need a guy who can do that. They don't – they have not had that in a number of years. A guy who could just take the top off the defense on any given – you know, any given play. Yeah, that's a good one um, because as you're saying that, I'm thinking like it's not that they're – they don't have fast guys. They do have some fast guys, right? Like Elijah Moore is fast. And Jerome Ford, we've seen when he can get mm-hmm. to that second level, is fast. But I, it's hard to remember a lot of times where guys were just running away from people. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a Jerome Ford run here or there. I don't remember Elijah Moore really running away from anybody. Um, so, yeah, I think of just adding more speed. Right. Just adding mm-hmm. somebody. I like those names you threw out. Obviously, look, Tyree Kill is special. He's a one one in a million guy. But there are fast guys out there who can be difference makers for you. And I think adding that kind of player, I really like that. Just a little more explosion, a little more speed, a little more. You know, David Njoku runs away from people, but a lot of that is power. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he'll run yeah. somebody over and then he'll run away. Yeah. So I, I like that. I like where you're going there. Well, you know, if you take if you think about speed, too. 
that all changes now with Deshaun Watson coming back. And, and, and I am a firm believer that he is going to play at a high level. He was starting to kind of get it. And I know everybody said, well, the rust and all that kind of stuff. Well, I think they're, you know, give Flacco some credit too. He played well. This was a new, this was, but that, the, the scheme that Flacco running was not a new to him. This kind of the scheme that they're trying to build with, you know, Stefanski and, and Watson, a little bit different. And they, they had some, you know, they had some growing pains with it and, and showed. But, you know, these guys, can, can they be more explosive? If Chubb's on the field, can they use a Ford in a different way? But they just need a guy. Like my, I, I've said it for two years, and obviously not, I don't know if it will ever happen. But Jakeem Grant is that guy, right? A guy who you know throw him a hitch, he takes it to the house. You know he could, you know you get a big punt return. You know something's got to happen where they they everything's got to can't be so planned. Just some chunk plays. You know I'm watching the uh, I'm watching the best plays from the Miami game uh, the other day when in the in the freezing cold it was vertical to Tyreek Hill. There was no scheme, just throw it deep, and and it comes down to. As we've said for you know three years, two and a half years now, it's players over plays, and they need some guys who could just take a simple play and make it and, and get big yards on it. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna squeeze in one more break here, and then when we come back. It's time. Our question of the week from Lance. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. All right, all the football stuff is done. We talked about the coaching changes, we broke down the film, we did all it is time for Lance's question of the week. He gave me prep time on this. I did some Googling to kind of help put my big board together so I could remember some some people. Uh, and it is time, Lance. Take it away. Well, I'm gonna get I'm gonna give you an old one. We'll see how we'll see. Well, you got little... to tell us the question. We we don't know the question well, I'm saying, yet. I, I'm okay, just saying, okay. I'm, I'm gonna all right. So the question is, regardless of what it is, food, cartoon, anything is it's all fair game. What are the top duos ever? What are the most iconic I, I duos ever? I, I didn't consider food. I just did. Mine is strictly, uh, strictly people. That's okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it could be That's anything. Okay. It's got to be. I want to give you prep time so you have some. You could think a little bit outside the box, and I think that's important that you think outside the box. I want to prep you a little bit, but yeah, I went back a little bit because I'm like, you know, I'm gonna go some. I actually we we did it at dinner yesterday too. My wife was laughing, so I got some help from my wife and daughter too. So I got I got a good one. So you get the first. We'll go three round pick here. You get okay. the first pick in the draft. Okay. And I, I want to go through our honorable mentions too. But um, the first All one, right. this is the first one. This is the first one that popped into my mind. And I, I feel like I want to do, this could change, but I feel like I want to do one sports, one music, one like TV or entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm starting with sports because this is the first one that popped in my mind. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. I got Pippen. Six. I got, it's my, that's my honorable mention. Six oh honorable mention, huh? Six championships together. Scotty really unlocked a lot in Michael Jordan. And of course, Michael Jordan is we won't we won't discuss where each of us have him ranked at the all-time NBA rankings, but he is a top two NBA player of all time, whether you have him one or two. Um just an incredible pairing. And, and a pairing that I kind of grew up on, tortured me when I was growing up. Like so it's to me, it's Michael and Scotty. That was the first duo that popped into my head. And so that's my number one pick. It's a solid number one pick. I actually went, I went a different route. And the route I went, I went with something that's iconic that kind of all generations, everybody knows what it is. It, it's it's kind of like, it's boring though. It's like the left tackle, right? It's like the, the all pro left tackle that you take in the first round, but everybody's mad at. Um, it's the Joe Thomas pick. So my first pick without question is peanut butter and jelly. I went with peanut butter and jelly as my number one. 
it had to be peanut butter and jelly. See, and that's good. Like, like I said, I wasn't considering food, so I didn't even consider peanut butter and jelly. I do have to ask you though, when you make it, do you do the peanut butter first or the jelly first? And there is a right answer. <laughs> well, I go. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I go peanut butter, but I go separate okay, spoons okay. because I, because I go. I go peanut butter. And then I have a spoon with peanut butter as I put the jelly on the other half. That's good. That's yeah. how I, that's how okay. I go. Peanut butter first is the right answer. I'm glad. But if we, we've had it, we've had it forever, right? We've had, you know, we were kids, we do it for our kids. You know, it's, it's still, I still eat it for lunch. It's just iconic there. It's, it has to be my number one pick. Okay. Peanut butter and jelly was a good one. Okay. So like I said, I was thinking about doing, I could do all sports, but I don't want to do all sports. Bert and Ernie. Oh, solid! I have Burton Ernie. Burton Ernie. Burton Ernie's a That's good a, one. And it, I've got some. I, I've got some really. I've got some really good ones in the entertainment side. But Burton Ernie was the one that was like, "Come on, that's the, that's an all timer." Burton Ernie. So that was so Burton Ernie was. On, it's on my list here, and I actually didn't go. I actually didn't put it on there because I'm like, he's for sure taking Burton Ernie. I've known you for two years now. I'm like, he's taking. Bert and Ernie. It's a solid one. I went I went a little different route with my second round pick. And uh, this is from my wife. Uh, this reminds me, you know, me and my wife, we've been together almost 25 years now. 20 years uh, in August, we've been married. And I don't know if you might age you here, but my second my second round pick is Scully and Mulder. That's, I can't I was, believe that was on my that was on my list. I wasn't sure if you'd have that on there. Absolutely. It's gotta be Scully and Mulder. And I give, I give credit. I was, my wife said, I'm like, Oh, that's absolutely my second round pick. It's, Scully it's and Mulder. funny. The nice. reason I have them on my list is because my wife has been rewatching the X-Files. Um, mm-hmm. Like during football season, I'm never home at nights and you know, like we're not watching stuff together. So she's been rewatching the X-Files, which I was never a huge fan of. I'm not, I just never got into it, but there it's a, it's a good show. And so yeah, Mulder and Scully were in my mind. Nice, nice. It's great. It's a great one. Scott Mulder. I yeah. and then my daughter's my third round. So, all right, last last final pick here. Tough one. It was tough <sighs> okay. for me. I know that. Okay, so I did. I'm gonna stay committed to because there's some sports ones I have on here. There's some other entertainment ones I have, but I'm gonna stay committed and I'm gonna do a music. I'm gonna do a music option. And there's actually a lot. I just thought of another really good music one, but this is the one. This is the one I'm gonna go with. Simon and Garfunkel. That's solid. Yeah, it's iconic. That's, it was on Just my list. Icon- yeah. No matter what you think of their music, iconic duo. You know, you know them, right? If you've never heard a song, you know them. Yeah, that's that was on my list too. And when I looked at some stuff, that was everyone's like, "That's a good one." That's a good. That's a good three rounds there. That's a good. It's a good. Uh, that's great. That's a high grade you got there. You, you're well versed. You took all three levels. Um, all right, my third round pick. This is this is my daughter's. This is uh, w- w- you know. Obviously, during the pandemic, and we all got me and my daughters at the age we watched tons of Disney stuff. So you know they got all those. So this one is uh, this one is we actually started laughing. I'm going with Sully and Mike Wazowski for my third Ooh, round. I'm going that's with a Sully. good one. I'm going with Sully, Mike Wazowski. I thought maybe you're going to go Lilo. I thought maybe you're going to go Lilo and Stitch there for a second. It's on but, there. All right. It's on, yep. Yeah, Mike Wazowski for sure. Yeah, and she. Uh, that one's for Abby because she was like, she gave me a bunch of good ones today. She just at that lunch uh, breakfast table just ripping them out today. So I was like, <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going Mike Wazowski for sure. I'm counting up. I have 11. I actually just added one to my list. I have 11 honorable mentions here. So how, do you have a, a list of honorable mentions? I do. Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Let's, you, let's go through them. Let's go All through right, them here. Let's just, let's just, let's just ping pong them here. 
Homer right. and Bart. Homer and Bart Simpson. Tom and Jerry. Oh, good. Ooh, I like that one. Okay. Abbott and Costello. I want hamburger and fries. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco, the Bash Brothers. Solid. How about Brady and Belichick? I had that on my list. Yeah, they were on my list. Um, here's one. Mario and Luigi. Uh, solid. So here's yeah, one that my I wife, like that this, one. here's one of my wife said, no way you're stretching it. But I went with Thanksgiving and the Lions. I tried to stretch mm-hmm. it a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't. I'm, I'm glad you didn't draft that one. I'm glad you didn't draft that one. Uh, Hall and Oates. Yeah. Is classic. Hall and Oates. Is... Oh my god, I can't read my can't read my writing here. You go. <laughs> uh, Montana and Rice. Uh, Montana and Rice is good. Those um, are my sports ones. You went Pippin. You went. Uh, you had Jordan I, and Pippin. I went, I went Michael and Scotty. That was my number one pick. Yeah, you go ahead. Finish him off here. What do you got? Okay. All right. David Spade and Chris Farley. Oh, that's a good one. Salad. Okay, this is one. This is sort of random, but when I was kind of Googling, I thought, yeah, you know what? This one counts. The Gilmore Girls. I'm going to put that in the, uh, I'm going to go put that in the yeah, uh, well, Thanksgiving Lions. I think, Ashley, I, think Ashley, I think Ashley might disagree with you. I yes. Think that, yeah, maybe. Uh, Laverne yeah. and Shirley. Oh, that's a good one. Laverne and Shirley. That's a good one. I, th- I got another old school one. Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Lucy and Ricky. Lucy and Ricky is a great one. I mean, you could... And the the entertainment. Ooh, that's a good one. Well done, Dan. And then the last one that I just added, a very uh, combustible one, but this is a music one. Axl Rose and Slash. Oh, that's a good one, too. You can get... Yeah, that's that's, fantastic. You can watch some genres there. You you went across the board there. Well done. You could actually get this. You can get modern. You could actually go Taylor and Kelsey at this point. You know, you could oh, you could that's do true, or just the Kelsey brothers. The Kelsey brothers, yeah. There's you know, or you know, Taylor and Donna Kelsey. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of options you got there. Taylor Swift and what's Patrick Mahomes' wife's name? My friend, Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes. Brittany Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of modern ones too. I was going to go, the other one I had that I, you know, was more, I, I had the Marx brothers for the, uh, that was my other one. That's I just good. Read. That's good. The Mark, Mark Duper and Mark Clayton were my other one. That was my other one. Cause okay. Dan Marino's there favorite, we go. So. <laughs> All right. All right. There we fun. go. We did it. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. Find us on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Leave us five star reviews. Find us on Instagram, search orange and Brown talk. Find us on YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com and become a football insider subscriber cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page you heard from mary Kay and ashley earlier and of course you just heard from lance reisland and our favorite pairings of all time let us know who we, who we missed because we definitely missed a bunch mm-hmm. uh, so let, uh, leave us a five-star review and let us know who we missed how's that for uh for getting us some reviews there uh lance i will talk to you later and uh thanks everyone for listening